Hi everyone, welcome to the A to Z Movie Show. I'm Charlie Zizza, your average moviegoer. My name is AJ Beltis, I'm your aspiring movie critic, and it's time to cover one of my personal favorite movies of the past five years. This is the second movie that Charlie and I have formally reviewed twice, uh, and I do believe, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but I do believe last time you reviewed this movie you gave it a pretty average rating. Uh, so I'm wondering what it's going to be this time. Anyways, the movie is The Way, Way Back. And before we jump into that, uh, I just want to remind you guys that we are still growing our presence. We're doing our best to post bi-weekly, um, get a little bit engaged on Twitter and on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So please, it would mean the absolute world to us if you would take two seconds, go on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on right now, click subscribe, give us a quick rating, and if you feel so inclined, write us a review, and we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, and share with your friends and family as well if they enjoy movies and listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. or one, be opening to, open to listening to a podcast. And one quick thing that I want to kind of shamelessly plug before we get into the actual podcast of The Way Way Back, I just made a visual essay on The Way Way Back. I'm really happy with it. It's called Understanding The Way Way Back Soundtrack, um, so please go on YouTube and check that out if you like seeing how people analyze the music that were u- that was used in movies, especially this one. Um, and yeah, give that some love. I really appreciate it. So, the way, way back. Oh, shoot. Listen to me. Charlie, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I don't even know. Um, Lizard King. Mosaic Hopped Pale Ale. From? Pipeworks. Have you heard of it? No, where is it? It's in Chicago. It was like the only thing I could find in the store that wasn't from Massachusetts, so I bought it. (laughs) Never had, I don't think I've had any... It's not good. Did we have any Chicago breweries when we went to Chicago? No. No. Oh, well. Um, cool. Let me know if you like it. The can? I don't. I had it before. <laughs> I don't like it. The can's kind of cool, though. What are you drinking? I a, uh, went to Craft Beer Cellar the other day and got myself a Void of Light. It is a foreign-style stout from Gunhill Brewing based in the Bronx. You know, not, not super local, but local enough. Um... And yeah, I like myself some stouts, so we will see how this one turns out. I haven't had the chance to drink it yet. Okay. It looks kind of good. Yeah, nice and dark. I do like foreign stouts, export stouts, things like that, so hopefully this will be a good one. So, The Way Way Back is a comedy, drama, coming-of-age film about 14-year-old Duncan from Albany, who is spending his summer at his mom's boyfriend's beach house near Cape Cod. And I emphasize near because Wareham is not on Cape Cod, as anyone in my family will tell you. Um, You have to be over the bridge to be on Cape Cod. With no love to be had at home, Duncan explores the nearby town and stumbles upon Owen, the eccentric and sarcastic owner of the local water park. When Owen sees something in Duncan, he offers him a job at the park, empowering and encouraging him more than the boy could ever have expected in his entire life. Meanwhile, as his vacation home life becomes unsatisfying, Duncan's summer heats up a little bit too quickly. Starring Liam James, Tony Collette, Steve Carell, Sam Rockwell, Anna Sophia Robb, Alice, and Jenny, this is the way, way back. And I just want to preface this show by saying, back in 2016, it was my last semester of college, and I was making a list of the best movies that I had seen uh, from the fall of 2012 to the spring of 2016 to be published in our school newspaper, because I was their film critic for four years. Um... And the only reason I didn't include this film on the list was because I found it so hard to rank it objectively, because subjectively, I love it so much. And I really felt like whatever ranking I gave it, it wouldn't really be fair, so I gave it a special mention. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here when it comes to my relationship with The Way Way Back. I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, you were tapping throughout the entire movie, and it was very distracting. Sorry, I I tap, I guess. So if my notes and comments were subpar, it's because of you. Because I was tapping? 
because you were tapping with that the AJ music. smile you always have. I didn't even have to look. I just knew. Yeah, I, I had the AJ smile. So, Charlie, here we are, like I said earlier, reviewing a movie that we've already reviewed. Um, so I gave my spiel on, on my stance. I kind of want to know, this is a movie that uh, you watched once, maybe twice our sophomore year of college when we first reviewed it. Um, and this is what probably either your second or your third time watching it. So yeah, overall, sure. how did your... What did you think? How did your well, mind change at all? It's, to... it's better than I remember, but that's probably because I wasn't paying that much attention the first couple times around. I specifically remember you not paying attention when you first watched this, so I'm glad you were paying attention it's... this time. Well, I was only paying attention because I had to. It would have, To be fair, I would have lost my attention after that first scene, which is attention-grabbing. I would have lost my attention naturally if I didn't have to be watching. Well, I'm... But I'm not saying that it's not worth it in the end. I'm just saying... You as a Charlie. It's not the most plot-driven movie. You're right. This is a movie that I would say is very character and ensemble-driven. Uh, the I'm actually not a huge fan of some of the situations that the characters get in, particularly in the water park. You know, we'll, we'll get into this when we go through the movie, but the scenes where like they get they get stuck in the water slide and like the dancing scene when i first watched them i just thought they were kind of goofy and, and, and not in a very sincere way like the rest of the movie and so plot points like that really didn't bring me in what i what i love about this again aside from the acting and the and the ensemble and the characters is the 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 di- the words themselves i i picked out a couple uh quotes that i want to include in this podcast that i thought really emphasize that but yeah I, I love the writing of, of actual words and I love the characters and I love the acting but the actual plots aren't aren't perfect yeah I mean and that's okay but mm-hmm. um anyway that's why the first time I watched it I lost interest but overall you did like it this time yeah yeah cool glad to hear uh, is there anything that you want to say before we jump into our beat-by-beat analysis? Usually I come with some trivia, but I'm kind of late today, or I've incorporated it into the notes. But. No, let's just uh, let's start off with the opening. I think it's the opening scene of the movie, the, the car scene when they're driving. It's the, uh, the, the kid, Duncan, his stepdad, his mother, and... A person who I guess is the stepdad's daughter. Yeah, in I'll, the car. I gotta emphasize, clarify there. They're not married. Uh, they are dating. Um, oh, okay, whatever. Yes, yeah. but what else are you gonna call him? You know, mom's boyfriend. I guess I that's yeah. weird. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's the opening scene, uh, and that Steph is is uh, <coughs> Steve Carell's daughter. Is is Trent's daughter? Um, so in the car, you've got Steph and Pam, who is Duncan's mom. They're sleeping, and, and uh, Trent uses the opportunity to have a conversation with Duncan about what he thinks he is on a scale of 1 to 10. Right. Is that, at that point, I guess the mother is in the car, right? Yeah, but they're, they're, they show them both sleeping. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Because there's no way that this conversation would happen. No, yeah, absolutely not. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the, the stepdad asks the, or whatever you want to call him. I'm going to call him the stepdad for the rest of this podcast because I don't that'll want, that'll trigger that'll trigger me Charlie I don't I, I, I don't want to you're, you're disrupting my safe space so the stepdad asked the kid Duncan he's probably in somewhere between eighth and eleventh grade he's I'd fourteen say. okay so he's uh, ninth grade he's rising so, uh, freshman okay I figured you know that he asked him on a scale of one to ten what do you see yourself as um, Duncan hesitates he doesn't want to answer the question 
because it's kind of a weird and awkward question for somebody you don't even like anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, I don't know, the sex or whatever. I think it was the sex. Yeah. And and the stepdad pulls a total dick move and says, I don't know, I think you're half of that already average rating. I think you're a three. And here's why. And he did lay out a decent reason. Yeah. But he could have done it in a better way. He could have gotten across the point you're trying to get across in a better way. Even though I don't think he was being nice. That way, He didn't have a good intention anyway. But no. He did still. not have a good intention, but here's what I've always kind of found noteworthy about this opening scene. In a strange way, it almost seems like Trent sort of does care about Duncan. I know that's not the case, but in a way it seems that way. Oh, yeah. In the first scene, absolutely. Yeah, he's like, you know, you're not, you, just, you gotta put yourself out there. He's, he's trying to be helpful in, in a very strange and insincere and dickish yeah. way, but he's trying to be helpful. And, and he is helpful in the end. Well, that's the question I want to bring up here. Well, keep saying what you're going to say. We can talk about that. Well, no, that, that's the question is, do you think that, like, again, in this weird, twisted way that he's actually helpful to Duncan because what I, I, I what I think is really interesting and noteworthy about this approach to parenting that both of these figures in, in Duncan's life have is that Trent is not being really kind, he's being very forward, he's being very hard-hitting, but he's telling the truth. Owen is kind of getting a better result in a better way, like you know, in a more friendly and understanding way. A little, yeah, well, yeah, but he's, st- he's still kind of a dick, though. Who? Owen or Trent? Owen. I don't think Owen's He's still a dick. kind of a dick. Well, well let's get into I mean, he, he Owen. has good intentions, though. That's the difference. And he's not as much. What's weird is I think they both sort of have good intentions. I mean, now, now he's. I don't Trent, think Trent has good intentions. Trent has it for selfish reasons. He wants a normal stepson if they ever become a full family. Like, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be associated with the weird stepson. Well, but that, he is still yeah. doing it so that he can become a better person. Like, the, the intentions mm-hmm. are selfish, but, you know, it, it's being done to turn him into a better person, which... Maybe. Yeah. Or he just gets some twisted pleasure out of torturing his kid. I, there are scenes when he does that, like when he throws the, uh, the the bag to him in the next scene where he's like, everybody lends a hand, and he throws it at him when uh, yeah. Alice and Janie's character... I mean, it's probably a little bit of both, because yeah. in reality, that's how it usually is. I think it's both, but I think I still lean towards, like, he's a dick, but yeah, yeah. there's still merit in bringing up that he has some... But oddly good intentions. Yeah, I mean, bad things lead to good things all the time. It's mm-hmm. fine. All right, so that's kind of what I wanted to bring up there. Um, what are your overall thoughts on Steve Carell now that we're sort of bringing him up so early? Overall, in general? Yeah, in this, in in this No, in this movie. Because I know oh. you're a big Office fan. You're, you're a huge Michael Scott lover. You know, it's... Steve Carell, I think... I don't know how he pulled off pulling away from Michael Scott, but he did. And I... You know, totally. That doesn't enter my mind at all when watching this movie. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched this movie, I was very much he is Michael Scott on a bad day, and there were even a couple scenes that stood out to me. So, like when, he, when he's playing Candyland, he's like, "And I and I win. There's no rules." And th- that just reminded me of like a Michael a Scott couple moment. episodes, yeah. And but... the part where they're having the fight towards the end, where he's like, "Your father, good luck with that." Like it, it, it has a couple. I mean, Michael Scott-ish delivery. I think that's moment. just Steve Carell on the bad day. But there are other times where, you know, the, the more I, I am able to see Steve Carell on something like Foxcatcher or or a little bit more removed from The Office, I can sort of see and differentiate this. And this is also something that I've seen over time. So I know this movie for the past five years, not on The Office for the past 
10-ish years. But anyways, my first impression, because Steve Carell was so Michael Scott, was that this was very Michael Scott. I mean, maybe more than other things, but I think mm-hmm. I think Steve Carell's a, an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just the fact that he's able he's able to pull this movie off without me being distracted. Like, for, I think I've talked about this before, but when I watched Tom Hanks movies, I for the first couple movies I saw Forrest after Gump, yeah. Forrest Gump, I couldn't watch the movie. I'm like, I literally had to turn this off because mm-hmm. I can't watch this. But that's not the case at all in this movie or in any other movie I've seen with Steve Carell. I, I guess I'm different because, like, uh, he's also been the same character in, like, Crazy Stupid Love and in Date Night, kind of that aloof guy. And, you know, again, that's why I'm glad he's doing these other roles so that we can see him in something different. We're talking too much about Steve Carell, but the one last thing I want to say before we jump into the next part is uh, Steve Carell initially turned down the movie because he and his family go on vacation during the summer in Marshfield, Massachusetts every summer, which is actually where they filmed it. So after they discovered that his vacation home was a short drive from where they were filming a bulk of the movie, he was able to to take it. um, What? They moved the filming location? No, the filming location was always Marshfield, uh, or or the Massachusetts area. And so when it kind of all just worked out that way, and he actually only shot his part in 10 days. Uh, So everything else, I think, was shot over the course of, I want to say, six weeks. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not that complicated. Yeah. So that's that's Steve Crown the movie, and he's saying, let's get your score up. Yep, for that buddy, uh, and Duncan puts his earphones in, and it was kind of at that moment where, for the months leading up to this, because I was actually really excited to see this movie, I was wondering why it was called The Way Way Back, and when I saw Duncan sitting in The Way Way Back, I was like, oh, I get it. Took me a while, but I got it. Yeah, that's actually, I don't, is that the trunk, or just like a weird seat? Have you, did you never like try sit in The Way Way Back before? The trunk? Is that what you're trying to no, say? No, so there is... That, that seat is in older cars, and what it is is it's like an extra seat that in like just... the 70s? No, I've, yes, I've never been in a car like that. No, no I, I have only like once or twice, but it is something that, you know, you would go sit in the way, way back, and that they even mentioned that in the next scene where it was, you know, this car's a classic. Um, yeah, they talk about the car, but yeah, no, anyway, I was going to say that that car, or that seat seems like a cool place to sit on a long trip, mm-hmm. if you're just like, you know, sitting oh, yeah. there observing. I mean, back when I was in kindergarten, I was hanging out with a friend of mine after school and his mom picked us up and she had a way way back seat so me and him sat in the back and we were be- we were in front of our teacher and so we were like waving to her the whole way back and it was kind of fun yeah. um, but quick aside uh, one thing I'm not going to get too into in this in this podcast but I want to bring up because this is the first instance of it um, is the music uh, so the soundtrack picks up with the song for the time being by Edie Brickle and the Gadabouts. So just another reminder, I kind of go into depth about the significance of the soundtrack in that essay that I told you about on YouTube. But what I like about this soundtrack is that every single song, for the most part, is meticulously chosen to sort of reflect what's going on on the screen. And I think that the soundtrack is genuinely a huge aspect of what makes this movie work so well. Uh, So just a quick example here, he's saying, the line in the song is, I'm doing all right for the time being. Uh, and Duncan kind of gives himself an all right number. He gives himself a six. Um, mm-hmm. And he tries to convey that he's doing just kind of all right, but he's not. Um, so, yeah. again, kind of first example of how deep this soundtrack really goes. No, I, I agree. I didn't listen to the lyrics at that depth level this time around, or at all. But um, I think the general mood of each song and each scene is always applicable. Mm-hmm. 
and that's something I did I did notice that throughout. So I, I agree. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, this one's kind of a cop out because this song was actually written for the movie. Um, oh, okay. But anyway, so they they pull into their house, um, and here comes Allison Janney, Hootie Who. She plays Betty, the alcoholic neighbor and mother of Peter, Charlie, and Susanna. Who she, is she, by the way? Her voice is extremely familiar. Allison Janney. I don't know, whoever that voice, whoever's oh. the voice, that voice, I don't know if that we're talking she about the same was, person, but that lives across the street, I guess. Or yeah, gosh, she whatever. was in American Beauty, she was in I, Tanya. Is, is she in a cartoon? Is she in a, like a Disney movie or something? She was the voice of Peach in Finding Nemo. Yes, okay. Yep. So, Allison Janney is probably my favorite performance in this entire movie, and yes, that does include Sam Rockwell. She is such a scene stealer. Uh, you know, she has so many great lines. Like I said, the lines in this movie are great. So she's like, another night of drinking alone, I was going to kill myself. There there were so many lines, just even in this opening scene, where I want to mention them all, but I can't for time reasons, and a lot of them aren't PC. One of them involves a food court. We don't need to be PC. Anyways, I love Allison Jenny in this in this movie, and she is my favorite part. And I was really holding down the fort, hoping she would get an Oscar, but she didn't. Um, Why? Whenever this came out? Yeah. I, I, I was... I, I, she had no chance. But I was really hoping that some miracle would happen and she would get something. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't really see it, but okay. Um, well, uh, the reason I bring it up, too, is kind of towards the end is... You find out she, there's a little bit more depth to her. There, I'll get into that towards the end. Uh, so we meet Allison Janney. We also meet Tony Collette, who plays Pam, Duncan's mom, and Trent's girlfriend. Uh, so Tony Collette is the mom in The Sixth Sense, and she was also in Little Miss Sunshine... She's great. I, she's great in every movie she's in. Um, apparently she's great in Hereditary, which I need to see. But, um, yep, great performance. And the other intro we get in the scene is Anna Sophia Robb. And she plays Susanna, the next-door neighbor, who Duncan ends up having a crush on. And this is my favorite performance from Anna Sophia Robb, too. Um, you know, she was in Bridge to Arabithia, she was in Because of Wind Dixie, but this is my far-and-away favorite performance of hers as well. Yeah, I think she was good. She's um, a very believable, but you know, yeah. three-dimensional girl next door. Well, kind of. One thing I one thing I, I wish that was in this movie a little bit more was getting to know her a little bit. Mm. Uh, I mean, you see it you see it a little bit in this scene where they go to the beach and uh, she's with her friends, mm-hmm. um, but you don't know much about her other than like her general stereotype as a teenage girl. No, I think you get a lot. First off, I think she's a very differentiated character. She's she's not a stereotypical. You know, we see her. No, I'm not saying she's a stereotypical girl, you, but you see her stereotype within the, oh, like a high school. No, like, like, you know what kind of girl she is. Yes, but I do think there's enough to like act on that. Like they talk about how her, you know, her father's her father is divorced. They talk about how she like is afraid to take a call inside because she's worried about her mom getting angry. We see her fighting with her mom a little bit. We see her do. She does get closer to Duncan. She is kind to her brother, so I don't think there's any real cliches with her. So, after we see Susanna, we kind of make our way to the house, and it's the Kiri scene, which uh, was where they're singing the song about Carry a Laser. Another soundtrack nod here. This is a fantastic representation of what Duncan is about to go through. So, Richard Page, who is the lead singer of Mr. Mister, which is the band that sings Kiri, uh, described this song as a prayer, and so if you listen to the lyrics, like, Kyrie lays on down the road that I must travel, uh, the whole song is completely symbolic of Duncan's upcoming journey. You know, he's he's traveling down this really difficult road, and there's a lot of darkness in his life, and I appreciate the fact that they chose this song, and also the fact that the adults actually get the lyrics wrong. So they're saying the wrong lines, they're saying, carry a laser. So what I think that stands for is the adults in Duncan's life really don't understand the journey that he's going through. They're totally blind to it. 
So super meticulous in, again, the song choice and in the execution there. But on, on the surface, super fun song. It's a great song to listen to. It, it's a really enjoyable scene. You've got Duncan being told he needs to enjoy therapy and dancing poorly. Uh, and you also have this play over while Joan and Kip are introduced. Uh, Kip seems kind of cool. Uh, Joan's a bit of a troublemaker, as we'll see. But, yeah, this is just a really fun scene. Yeah, so this kind of uh, brings me to a point that I have about this movie, which is I don't really know any of the characters except for Duncan, Susanna, the mom, the stepdad, and Owen. Everybody else is just kind of there. I don't understand them. I don't understand who they are most of the time, and I don't know anything about them, even so, if I did. there are certain characters that are there for comic relief. Like, Peter is the, the eyepatch kid. He's there for comic relief. Roddy and Lewis, who are the, the two guys who work at the water park with, with Owen and Caitlin, they're basically there for comic relief. So there, there are characters that are there. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of characters who just aren't even important. Well, I would don't say, have any important role at all. I would just say that those those three are they're not, not they're not unimportant. They're just there for comic relief. I don't sure, but then you also have the um, Steve Carell's daughter, not important at all. She's just there. I mean, she's not. She might be important for the family dynamic. Yeah, she's not integral. Like her specifics, her story, her storyline is not important, but her character is. Yeah, and then you have all of Susanna's friends, and then you have all. There's no all Susanna's friends. There's one scene where Susanna, Steph, and like one other girl go to the beach. Uh, No, I'm just saying there are a lot of very minor characters, and it's a lot to keep track of, and they're not. None of them are important. I I I really gotta disagree. I don't know any of their names. I know, like, four people's names in the movie. I didn't even know her name was Pam until the end when she, he kept screaming Pam. <laughs> Did you think of Michael Scott yelling for Pam Beasley in that moment? No, but he just says Pam, like, 1,500 times. Yeah, but I just like that. just makes me think of the scene where he's like, yay, Pam! But regardless, I disagree with you. I think every character in this movie that is supposed to matter and their story is supposed to matter, I think they're fleshed out. Um, and kind of given the justified screen time. So Joan, for example, the reason she's who is Joan? Joan is the one who Trent has an affair with. See, I don't even know what she looks like. Like, I know that she had an affair with somebody, but I don't know who this person is or what she looks like or anything. I, I don't, I'm, if, even if I watched this for the first time yesterday, I would know what she looked like. I mean, she's in several scenes. She's referenced in several scenes. She is sort of a catalyst of the destruction of the relationship, so she's constantly brought up, even though she's not always on the screen. I, I don't understand what the where your disconnect is, but I, I totally felt her presence throughout the entire movie. When Maybe she, she just looks up. the same as everybody else. I don't know. Uh, she had brown hair and everyone else was blonde. So, I think she's justified. And then, Kip is uh, her husband. He seems to be pretty cool with the fact that his wife is cheating on him with other guys. So, after a very awkward dinner scene where we see Pam is clearly out of her element trying to tell that Dune scene... We get the back porch scene, which is Susanna uh, talking to Duncan. And again, here's where I disagree with you. I always seem to forget how much of a role the Susanna-Duncan storyline plays in the movie, especially in the first part before he goes to... I don't say anything bad about Susanna. You said that they weren't, like, she wasn't... Susanna's important. Okay, go ahead and say what you're going to say about her then. She's, like, the third most important character in the movie. I'd say, like, fifth, but... Okay. Uh, That's not the point. I, um... I always seem to forget how much of a, a crucial role she plays at the beginning, and, like, I, I wouldn't be able to watch a movie about her and Duncan all by itself, but I think it really does work to the extent that they play it throughout the movie, especially it carrying the first half and then sort of being sprinkled in towards the end. She's great, and it, it's a very underrated and underappreciated part of the movie. Is it? Yeah. Says who? I think when most people think of the Way Way Back, they think of the water park stuff. They think of Owen and... and and that kind of 
dynamic, and that's yes, really not but... towards. That's like usually in the second half of the movie is when it happens. I don't know. I think she's very important. I do too. I mean, uh, with her, you wouldn't have Duncan's. I mean, that's part of how you show him growing up throughout the summer and becoming more. I don't want to say assertive, but but more like willing to express himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I don't know. I, I always just kind of think when most people talk about the way way back, they think of it as the movie in the water park, and they just never really give that the credit it deserves. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's like, more important, but it. The effect that the water park has on his life shows in his quote relationship. With yeah, I agree. Suzanne. I, I totally agree. So in this in this scene, we kind of get a glimpse of how awkward Duncan is. This is actually the most dialogue we hear from him since the opening scene, and he's giving lines like, "That's cool. That's cool. No, totally blows so much and stuff." And yeah, and Susanna's just looking at him with a blank face, and it's like, "Well, all right." He pulls off the awkwardness very well. Yeah, he's it's, very believable. It's like it's it's perfect. We and there are and when he says the summer scene. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel the, like it feels like it's gonna, gonna be a hot summer. summer. Uh, I mean, we've thought all, we were done. We've all said ridiculous things, completely out of place like that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you even if you are not like Duncan at all, mm-hmm. you've said something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I, it just came to me. So so I said it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so good stuff here. This is a good first interaction with them, and we see that Susanna, who earlier was very cold to everyone else around her, is not so bad. So next morning, Duncan wakes up and kind of has his first escape because Pam and Trent are still sleeping. You've got Out the Door playing by Ben Queller, and he escapes on that pink bike. I, I love little moments like that in this movie, and I think that these are ones that genuinely improve the movie. Like, Duncan just doesn't find a bike. He finds a pink bike with little, what are like, tassels on the side. In a basket. Yeah, so it, 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 these little things, they're just, I really do think that they add something to the movie that, all in all, they, they add a complete other layer to it, these little incomplete pieces. Kind of, but at the same time, I had a little bit of a problem with the pink bike. Why? Because I don't think, I get what they're, or what they're trying to do with it, but a kid like that, who's very timid, cares very much about how he's seen by the people around him, um... He's not going to ride that bike. He's going to walk before he rides that No, bike. he would because you're isolated enough and he's, he's got to get out of there. That's the whole point is like he cannot stand being in his house anymore. He's, he's, he's resorted so low that he needs to ride out on a pink bike. I don't bike. know, but he's also getting paid for this job and he could buy a bike within two weeks. But, he's, but that's the thing is he's not getting paid yet. Right, but he never replaces the bike. Although I guess maybe there's a reason. Maybe at that point he doesn't care. Yeah. But... I don't know. I really... I thought that was a little bit of a stretch. And that's not the only... I think there are certain points where it tries to go a little bit too far, and that's mm-hmm. one of them. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it just kind of goes to show that there's, like, a little bit of overboard, but believability to this movie. Right. It's a little bit overboard, but mm-hmm. I, get what I get what they're going yeah. for. After pedaling his way in this pink bike, he goes to a pizza place in the center of Wareham, and Duncan finally meets Owen. They're playing Pac-Man, bonding over Pac-Man, and this is another scene where we sort of see a little bit of, uh, of not really foreshadowing, but a sort of a hint of what's to come, and Duncan says, like, you know, there's there's a pattern to Pac-Man, right? And Owen shuts it down completely and says, don't tell me you're one of those guys. It takes all the challenge out of it. Anybody can learn a pattern. He's encouraging him to, you know, cut your own path and no, no patterns on my quarter. Sam Rockwell, by the way, is a national treasure. He should have also gotten an Oscar nomination and win for this movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else there was in that. Was it 2012? That was 2013. 
14. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there was, but he was good. Mm-hmm. That, oh, Jared Leto, um, I think, won that year for Dallas Buyers Club. God. I didn't like that movie. I didn't like that movie, but I liked him in it. Um, so I take it back. Jared Leto should have won the Oscar, but he should have been nominated. So, yeah, really quick, simple meeting, um, and we kind of get this establishment of their their blossoming friendship. So then we got the boat scene where Duncan's sort of forced to wear that really awkward um, life jacket. Anything to say about this scene? Just kind of showing no, what, just, what I mean, Trent is. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, that goes goes to the idea that Trent is not trying to improve um, Duncan. For Duncan's reasons. Right, because yeah. obviously you're not helping him by making him look like a complete idiot in mm-hmm. front of um, at least that girl, Susanna, I think. Mm-hmm. She's there. It, yeah. it, it shows his true intentions. For sure. Whatever those are, um, that they're not good. And one other thing I'll mention is at the end of the boat scene, and in the boat scene this is kind of where we find out the the backstory of how, how Trent and Pam met. Um, but when everyone's leaving the boat, Trent is offering his hand to help everybody off the boat, and blink and you miss it, Joan, uh, who he ends up having an affair with, he offers his hand to her, and she looks really like disgruntled and just kind of storms away. So yeah. in hindsight, you realize that if this is the first time that you're watching this movie, that this is, um, like, it, that's the first sign that he's rebuffed her advances and that their affair won't continue this summer because he's with Pam. But it ends up happening. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that, but, um, mm-hmm. I also didn't, again, I didn't know who she was. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, some woman didn't like him. Yeah. Um, so then it's the hangover breakfast scene where Kip holds up his arm and gives him a high five. Uh, Duncan clearly had enough and come and see plays as he rides out to Waterways for the first time. And this is a great scene where as he's going to Waterways, the line from come and see is, is this coincidence or connection plays in and it kind of hints at the budding connection between Duncan and Owen. Again, love the soundtrack and I'm going to bring it up every chance that I can. Um, have you ever been to Waterways? I didn't know it was real. No, it's real. It's, it's um, it, like I said, it's in Wareham, so by the Cape. Um, but just let it ask. Uh, so we get an intro to Caitlin, who is played by Maya Rudolph. You know who I'm talking about, right? The oh. she's the like the not manager, but like oh, the assistant manager. The, the maybe. Owen's girlfriend. Thing. Yeah. yeah, we get introduced to her, and we see that Owen lives at the park. Um, more great dialogue here when uh, he's like, "You see what I did there? I manipulated her with my sexual charisma." Yes. Funny. That that's, that scene actually doesn't last very long. He just kind of sits there uh, by the bench that Duncan's or uh, Owen's apartment overlooks. So then Duncan rides the bike back, and he has another conversation with Susanna with the the weather scene where it's uh, you know uh, you're you're right. This does feel like a hot summer, and Duncan's like, yeah, I just calm like I see him. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's also an example of him. <laughs> becoming a little more comfortable with himself. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not being awkward in that situation. He's just being jaded. Mm -hmm. And they connect for the first time, too. Like, they they let each other's walls down. So, uh, Susanna's talking about how, like I said earlier, she's taking a call from her dad outside because she's worried that her mom will, uh, caught and get freaked out that, uh, she's gonna want to live with her dad. And Duncan kind of stops his bike and says, my mom's the same way. So a little bit of that, their first not yeah. awkward conversation. Yeah, and, and then and then she walks away saying, "Let me know if you have any interesting more weather, observations about the weather. weather." 
And then you can, and it's intentional, I'm sure, you can see where Duncan would think, oh, maybe, or start to think maybe, oh, she's, she's like, interested in me as more than a friend. Yeah, or even just as a friend, because, like, that's their or second that too. Yeah, second because, honestly, the kid probably doesn't have a lot of friends, or, mm-hmm. or really any friends, at least, especially not there. Yeah. So, I mean, even that's worth something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, after that, Pam tries to look for Duncan, and he sort of stops himself to go in, just because he doesn't want to deal with it. Um, and again, I think that kind of speaks to the point that he just does not want to be there to the point where he would steal a pink bike and, and ride out. He goes into the, the sunset and at night, and he's sort of sitting by the beach on the water and just looking it out. And I love that scene because just personally it reminds me of Long Nights on the Beach of Cape Cod. Um, and I think they capture that really well as well. So after that scene, Trent kind of catches Duncan in the act. And another kind of conflicting scene here, Trent. Trent's like, if, if we're going to make this work, then there has to be trust. You know, does that sound fair? And Duncan's like, fine. And, of course, Trent's like very assholely. There you go, buddy, and lets him go upstairs. But very hypocritical yeah. of Trent. But, again, it's, it's weird because a lot of the stuff that he's saying does make sense, but he's still an asshole. Yeah, I mean, no, he really is. Um, he, yeah, no, I mean, there's no part of him that's likable at all. I mean, yes, he has some times when he's accidentally helpful. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, he's always... An unlikable character. Yeah, he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Yeah, I mean that, not which to, is kind of a downfall of the movie. A little not bit. to stereotype, but that's kind of what his character. is. So his character, they mentioned very briefly, is a used car salesman, and I think that oh, yeah, that's, true, that's yeah. kind of what he is. Like he can kind of like that's his job is to woo people and get a glimpse of their needs and their psychology in the course of five minutes, so he can take advantage of them and. Pam, who is a very weak personality, he takes it, at least in the first part of the movie, is he is able to take advantage of very easily. Whereas Duncan, who doesn't really care, doesn't have anything that he's trying to sell or, or buy, is he's totally unfazed by it. Yeah. That's a good point, actually, yeah. I mean, I mean, as an audience, we can see right through it, mm-hmm. but uh, you, know, you could see where individual short interactions that he has with people could mm-hmm. be, could end in a positive way. Mm-hmm. But, Everyone who gets to know him throughout the entire movie does not like him. Correct. So I mean, even Owen at the end of the movie, like he know he does he knows about him from things he's heard about him, mm-hmm. and he already doesn't like him. So. Yeah. So after that conversation with uh, Trent and Duncan, Duncan goes back to Waterways the next day, and this is the next interaction between Duncan and Owen. Where it's uh, you know I'm afraid I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. You're you're having way too much fun. It's it's making everybody feel uncomfortable and. Duncan's right. like, like, oh, oh okay. okay. So no, it's like, wait. I, I mean, was just joking. Are you serious right now? That wasn't even my best stuff. Wow. Like, wow, wow you are something else. Mm-hmm. This beer is very good, by the way. Um, so, uh, you know, Duncan grabs him and says, come on, let's... Or, sorry, Owen grabs Duncan and says, come on, let's let's show you around. And he shows him to uh, Lewis, uh, who is the rental booth worker. Lewis, again, it's okay if you don't know him by his first name. Uh, he is definitely a character that's meant to be comic relief, but he's also one of the co-writers and direct- directors of the film. His name is Jim Rash. He was really well known from a TV show called Community. Uh, and while he is a comic relief character, I also think there's enough here to really enjoy about him. Uh, Owen makes mention of his Dahmer glasses. He's he's his running storyline of he doesn't want to work there, but still always ends up working there. I always found to be really you funny don't as know well. A person like that. Yeah, of course. And I think that's a relatable aspect of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I know a lot of people like that. And I just, I also think his character is very funny as well. Um, I'll just be here. I don't know in about the that. booth that no one comes to. Okay. If I have to miss, if I'm going to miss anything, 
I think it would be uh, the people. Anyhow, my doctor said not to get water in my face. <laughs> right? Okay. So I, I got a couple laughs there. Yeah, but like, I didn't even know what that meant. It was just kind of amusing for some reason. Yeah. But what does that even mean? Exactly. That's that's the point. It's like, we're not supposed to know what medical condition requires him to not have water on his face. I don't think but there is one. It's, but it's funny. That, that Not everything has to make sense in comedy. So then after he gets a pair of trunks... Um, he tells him about the Cold War stuff, a little bit dated, but Caitlin and Owen have another mention uh, where, by the way, Anisha Ordmore Matt did it, you know, clean the filters, did it, uh, you know, running up, check all that stuff, right? Oh, in that case, I didn't do any about, anything about that. Uh, so, so I'm doing it. Hey, it's called Delegation Baby. I read about it in a book about it. I, I love the lines of this movie. I know I've mentioned that a million times, but... Yeah, there are some good ones. I have some written down here. Let me, let me take a look. Yeah, please, please do. Oh, none of them are funny, though. But there were some good, other good ones. Well, go I mean, the one, one that I wrote down was something we already talked about, which is, are you for real? Which is the quote we were talking about. Are you for real? Are you for real? This awkward and timid. And, yeah. Yeah. But, like, at that point, we're all, we're all thinking that as an mm. audience. We're like, is this kid actually this bad? Mm. I mean, we were all a little awkward as middle school or high schoolers, but, like, this is really, really bad. Yeah. Um... So, their next conversation is talking about passing someone on the water slide. I, this is, again, this is one of the plot points that I always thought was kind of dumb. There's too much emphasis on it. It's really confusing because in this scene, Duncan is told by Owen that Owen was the first person to pass someone on the water slide. And Duncan's like, how'd you do it? He's like, oh, I can't tell you. But then at the end of the movie, Duncan passes Owen on the water slide, and Owen raises Duncan's hand and says, ladies and gentlemen, the first person to pass someone on the water slide. So... It's not really clear who or how the water slide passing happens, who was yeah. the first to do it. But it's cool because uh, it's like an urban legend. Yeah, but it's like, add some clarity to it. It's just, it's, it's annoying. Well, I just don't like that they brought it up again at the end. Yeah. I mean, well, well I don't like they the couldn't whole, I don't up. like the ending anyway, we won't get into that, but. Yeah, I just don't like that plot point. I think it's fine. I like, I like the urban legend aspect of it because again, it's relatable. So. so the next part that comes up is, uh, they go to the top and it's the holding scene and that's where we're introduced to Roddy who is the other writer-director played by Nat Faxon. Definitely, like, a comic relief character. No significant character attributes, but he's, he's, he's effective at being funny. Um, and the holding, still holding, uh, just that about ready to went on slightly too long, <laughs> but it was funny. Yes, it was funny. That was probably the funniest part of the movie, I'd say. Really? I think so. There's not, I, don't, I honestly don't consider it a comedy. It's, it's not an LOL comedy, but it's still a comedy. I mean, there are funny parts, but anyway, I thought that was funny. Yeah. I appreciate it. I think it went on slightly too long. Mm-hmm. So this is the 4th of July scene where uh, Duncan gets a ride home from Owen who says that, you know, people drive like crazy on the 4th. Let me give you a ride home. Um, he also says, you know, Duncan, we guys are having faster conversations. And for some reason... But I, it's so true. Yeah. Because this this kid's like, oh, well... And when he accepts the job, yeah. this is a while ago, but uh-huh. he, he's like... Oh, well, I mean, if it isn't too much trouble, I mean, I guess I could maybe think about asking my mom if I could take it if I wanted to, and, you know... He does the, come on, let's go. Yeah. I but also... Uh, oh, go ahead. It's, it, no, it's, it's it's so true. There are a lot of people like out there like that are just very, like, apologetic about everything and mm-hmm. very, like, very, like, beta male. Anyway, I, I just think that it's funny. All right. Um, I also... This is something totally random, but I never really liked the title The Way Way Back. And I kind of, after watching this movie a couple times, wish the movie had been named Faster Conversations. Well, I like I like the title. Well, I, I like how Faster Conversations also ties back in the end when Duncan hugs Owen 
He's like, oh, faster conversations and they hug. Super minor, I just wanted to bring that up because I like to talk about that. I mean, that's not a bad title, but I'm saying I, I like the current title. so. And that's how it will stay. Uh, so it's the 4th of July party. Uh, another scene of some spectacular wordplay. This is empty, and that's just not right. Um, I like when Susanna says... Just, I mean, just listen to this line. I would avoid the clams, one of the many casualties of my father's absence. Just just adult words there, like not simplistic words. Like The, the, the dialogue was so meticulously chosen, and I, I like... One of the many casualties of my father's absence. That's not the way that someone would what normally even, I don't talk. Even know what that means. So, in the, it was a clam bake. The clams aren't as good because Susanna's father's not around. Um, well, I, I was getting the impression that she was hinting at food poisoning because well, probably, clams are like if you eat shellfish, you have to be careful how you cook. Yes. Them. Sorry, okay. when I when I said not as good, I meant that there was like something wrong with them. Oh. Okay. Um, so I just wordplay is great in that scene and then Pam gets a little bit too high uh, so Susanna notices how uncomfortable Duncan is and they walk on the beach and go find ghost crabs and this is another great scene for Susanna and Duncan it's uh, you know where we find out that this place which it really is is like spring break for adults you know I know 50 year old people who go to Cape Cod every summer um, and they just act like they're 12 um, it also reminds me how much I love the original score as well. Uh, so this is the track, I think it is called Ghost Crabs, but Rob Simonson did this score. Uh, he's great. I listen to this score all the time. He also did the movie Gifted. Keep keep note of the, the original uh, composed score for The Way Way Back when you're watching it because it's it's breezy and it's summer-like and it, it's just so fitting. I love it. Do you What do you think about the score? Did you notice it at all? No, I only noticed the soundtrack. I, I didn't notice the score at all, actually. Hmm. I, I would Which actually, I think I, I think it's not used as much. There's about ten or it's tracks. Much subtler. A, yeah, a lot of the tracks are only about a minute or so long. So the whole soundtrack is free on YouTube. But I, I would actually recommend uh, checking it out if you need something like chill and, and vibey and summery to listen to at work. It's it's a great collection of songs by Rob Simonson. So um, very fitting and definitely check that out. Um, and at the end of this scene, before they go to bed, Susanna has a beautiful line which is when they're talking about where where do you go off to every day in your pink cruiser and Duncan's about to tell Susanna and Susanna stops him and says, let it be yours. And I, I just love that line, let it be yours. It's, I actually very much used it in a little speech that I wrote sophomore year. I, I, it's, it's just a great line. Um, you know, it's something that's very so personal to him and she's just, let it be yours. Yeah, it's almost a little too profound for her character, but, but I like it though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that kind of comes up, like, I mean, we're getting towards the end here, um, so I'll talk about it. When, well, yeah, I guess I'll talk about it because it's coming up. Um, the, the mother goes chasing after Duncan at the end of the movie when he, he is unexpectedly leaving the summer community to go back home, mm-hmm. um, and he wants to say goodbye to everybody at the water park, and he runs off to the water park, and the mother comes chasing him, and, you know, Duncan went in through the employee-only gate, and mm-hmm. uh, the mother comes in, and she through that gate because she's, she's following him and she sees or she doesn't actually see it but the employee entrance sign is right behind her and she mm-hmm. looks very confused and, she, and it's like Duncan's like he belongs in this place like this is the one place where he actually is important and mm-hmm. he's has a place there um, and the mother's all confused and you know that's kind of like playing back to like let it be your thing like yeah. this is this is his thing yeah so back to the present moment though um, and I, I agree with what you said, but back to the present moment, um, Duncan turns the corner and sees the affair. So Trent is, in fact, having an affair with Joan, uh, and it's 
it's, it's implied to be very ongoing because Joan mentions after Trent kind of hesitates, she said, what, just not this summer? So it's it's apparently uh, an annual thing that happens between, between Trent and Joan, unfortunately. Um, and then they come back and Joan is very, very pissed and Pam looks up and just, she knows something is up. I, I think at that moment she might not realize that they're having an affair, but she notices that there's there's something that needs to be looked into right now. I think she knows. Yeah. Yeah. She knows right away. Mm. Um, but again, like, she's she's kind of, she is the mother who raised Duncan, mm-hmm. you know, so she's very passive, very, yes. like, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever doesn't rock the boat type thing. Because not even Duncan says anything the first time. He doesn't, like, call Trent out and do, well, like, aha! Like, he just kind of lets no, it happen. Of course he doesn't, because he's... I mean, you see, like, when he... When uh, Trent accuses him of sitting on his car's roof and leaving yeah. the den, I mean, of course, he knows that Trent knows, and Trent knows that he knows, and mm-hmm. all that, but he's just too shy and too scared of everything to admit that, you know, he was yeah. sitting on the roof. Well, like, he was also he, calling him out in front of his mom and a group of strangers. Like, it was just weird. No, but he wouldn't even admit that. To, nah, at that point, he wouldn't have. Yeah. So he's just... I mean, they're both very passive people, and, like, that's part of that's part of uh, Duncan's problem is mm-hmm. the fact that he's raised with a single mother who... I mean, being raised by a single mother without any father figure at all is already s- sort of an obstacle to overcome, but having the mother be the type of character that she is, very, very passive, mm-hmm. like, ridiculously so. Yeah, um, and so that kind of sparks uh, the rest of what, what kind of ends up going down towards the end of the movie. Uh, but following that is, is Duncan's first day. Uh, you know, you're late, don't make a habit of this. What? You're fired, but I was... You make a good point, welcome back. Plus benefits. And Owen's like, come on, are you pumped? Come on, let's get pumped! I don't recall that. <laughs> or this is the place where dreams are made or destroyed. Depends on how you feel about working at a water park. Uh, okay. We have a situation over by Blue Lagoon. Is it a homicide? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a homicide. I knew this day would come. Yes, these are all funny things you're yeah. saying, but I don't know what your what your point is. I'm just saying that it's a great scene, and okay. it's a good way to kick off Duncan's first day. Uh, so they make their way over, and it is uh, sadly not a homicide. That would be quite a twist in the movie, but it's a dancing scene. And again, this is one of those scenes that plot-wise I always thought was a little bit ridiculous, but I see the symbolism behind it. It's important, though. Yeah, it's very symbolic. It's empowering Duncan for the first time in the movie. It's showing him that people will listen to him. Um, And if you attempt to do something, which he kind of attempts to dance very poorly, but it's teaching him the lesson that if you try to do something and you really commit yourself to it, others might be willing to help you. Um, yeah, and those are two vital coming of age lessons. It's not showing that people will listen to him. It's showing, first of all, that people will not listen to him. No, people listen to him. At the end, after he did the thing, but yeah. like the fact that he's coming over in, in, in a staff shirt should be enough for people to listen to him. The fact that he has no confidence, confidence at all in himself causes, and also the fact that he looks like he's ten, mm-hmm. um, causes this guy who's dancing. I don't know why this is a problem, but anyway, it was apparently a problem. It was getting to to not. And anyway, again, plot wise, I, I don't. So it's, it's, anyway, the, the guy who's trying to say you can't do this here, um, you need to stop this, or you need to get out. Doesn't listen to him, uh, even though he's wearing a staff shirt. Like, that yeah. should be enough. But the reason it's not is because he's Duncan and he's like this little. Yeah, well, part of that is, I mean, I really do think it was an all, all in good fun. Like, he, even when he saw he was getting too bad, he was like, it's okay, man, come on. Like, you're good. Take the cardboard. I believe you. Um, I don't think he was, like, actually pissed. Like, he wasn't threatening him or anything. He was, this yeah. was all in good fun. Maybe, maybe. That wasn't my interpretation. But. All right, because he was even laughing a little bit, and then like even like even Owen wasn't too 
it wasn't as big of a deal as people were like Owen was laughing when when Duncan was dancing and like they were he was like yeah um, wait yeah so it was, it was a very lighthearted originally he was just trying to get Duncan to be assertive and be like do yes. your job and, and go yes he's trying to empower him yeah after that there's a montage of Duncan sort of coming into his own and getting really confident I love this montage and soundtrack nod it's very fitting that it's his new sensation and that this newfound confidence is his new sensation uh, the moment where he winks at Steph is one of the like most revisitable moments of the Who's movie Steph? Steph is his kind of stepsister but not really Oh. Like when he's when he's eating cereal and he looks over to her and he just winks at her. How does he, she respond to that? She just is like so thrown off and like grabs her, her cereal oh. box and walks away. So at the start of this montage is another great line where it's also shot really well too where Pam's face is seen in the mirror and uh, Pam's like, hey, where have you been? Duncan just goes nowhere. Well, that's a long time to be nowhere. Well, that's where I was. He has more confidence there. Yeah. And he, I mean, kind of a dicky, but it, definitely more confidence. But, um, like, it's, it's like, this peak of confidence, and then it definitely plummets at a certain point, which we'll talk about. Yeah, quite bit. soon. So, at the end of the montage, it's the back to the stupid passing people on the water slide thing. However, I'm okay with the scene existing, because Owen makes that footloose reference about holding out for a hero. Um, and kind of a quick falling out with Caitlin and uh, Owen. Anything you want to say about this scene? You know, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of having me this person. I'm not this person. No, not really. Yeah. I mean... Just adds a little bit more drama or conflict. I guess so. It adds a little bit of development to Owen's character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, showing that he's not perfect at all. He's, you know, like, he has... He's okay with his situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not perfect. And it's, it's definitely an eternal state of youth, which a couple songs hit on later, and I'll mention those, but... That's not till the yeah, party. Like he's he's doing his best to help Duncan, but he also is not, you know, this flawless role, yeah, role he's, model he's either. A, he's a big kid, um, but he's, he's still a good guy. After that, uh, it, it rains and Duncan has to stay home, and it's the Candyland scene. The track on the score soundtrack for this this specific track is called Rainy Land because it's rain in Candyland. And if you didn't just hear that, I, I just face palmed. It was. Uh, it was painful. I have a big red mark on my, my forehead right now. And we also see how Pam, like you mentioned earlier, definitely knows something is up. You know, she's just like screaming about Candyland and sort of storms upstairs. Um, and it's really sad, too, because she, she... Well, he's also being a gigantic dick about Candyland. Yeah, well, I'll just... And I win. I win. No rules. And that, that was one of my Michael Scott moments of the movie, too. Maybe, right. <laughs> well, yeah, right. But maybe, maybe she's also just fed up with the fact that she's dating a complete asshole. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, maybe that's totally she, it. I'm sure at that point she also is suspicious of things. But yeah, no, yeah. he's it's he's, Candyland, Trent. It's like it's you, we all know that person who's just like, takes certain things way too seriously. Yeah. So can I actually uh, just a little bit off topic? But have you seen Little Miss Sunshine or no? I don't know. Um, have you you've seen The Sixth Sense? You know the mom on The Sixth Sense? Yeah. Do you know what country Tony Collette is from? Who? Tony Collette, the mom who played the woman who plays Pam. No idea. She's Australian. You would never guess because her accents are always so believable. But yeah, I mean, but if you ever hear her in a natural conversation, she's a hundred percent. Actors usually pull off American accents pretty well. Yeah, she she kills it. Um, but I just wanted to mention that. The next morning, after the rain, Owen's trying to make amends to Caitlin um, and fails because he's putting chairs in circles instead of rows, and Owen's shirt is inside out. But funny mm-hmm. moment there with 
coffee. We don't sell coffee. Yes, we no, we don't burn. Yeah, we do. Okay, so that's that's kind of that day at work, and the next day uh, it's Susanna follows Duncan, and this is probably one of my funniest moments of the movie. You know, you mentioned earlier your holding scene is funniest. I think this scene is funniest, where um, Duncan, Roddy, Susanna, and Owen are kind of having their dynamic, um, and. You know, report to the administrative office international. Please, Duncan, report to the office administrative international. Yeah, yeah. I like this scene. It's it's funny. Please let her know this conversation was entirely about you. In other words, this is extremely awkward for you. Yeah, but I don't know how I feel about that because also, if you're Owen, why would you? Uh, I don't know. I feel like you had the opportunity to make him like actually look like he <laughs> is doing something important or. Like, being cool or whatever, but then he just makes it weird. No, yeah, I mean, it's... That's just... Again, he's a big kid, but he's like, Urgent, 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 we need you immediately. And then he shows up, he says, Hey, how's it going? Did you need something? See, I think... <laughs> I, I like I like all of that stuff, but it would have been better if uh, at the end they, he didn't go, uh, this conversation's about you. Yeah. Uh, because it would have been more like, Oh, he's doing him a favor, but also pissing him off at the same time. Oh, I see. But I mean, in, in the end, he's really just making him look like an idiot. Well... There's also a kind of a, a behind-the-scenes story where Duncan is, is is being summoned by Owen, and Owen's like, I would say my voice carries very far, but uh, I, I have a touch of the herpes from a make-out session with Lewis's mom. Uh, he was at... Sam Rockwell was actually projecting over the actual water whiz, which was operating that day, and in order to continue filming, Sam Rockwell had to go apologize because he made an announcement about herpes in a kid's water park. But I bet they didn't care because it brought a lot of attention to this water park. I, I think it does too. That would be the only reason why I'd ever go to the water park was because of this. Um, and well, it looked like a decent water park. Yeah, a nice but I would little, never be over there. Um, a nice little montage of Susanna and Duncan spending the day together, returning to the news that Steph and her boyfriend are broken up, and Trent is nowhere to be found. But he comes back that evening and sort of denies everything. Anything to say about that scene? You know, dinner and the montage or anything like that. Wait, he, who denies what? So I, I, I did just skip over a lot, but. Oh, oh, the whole accusation scene? Yeah, where she's like, I've been here before. Like, it's something I need to know. And he's like, no, no, I was out on Kip's boat all day. Oh. Wait, so this is where Steve Carell is being accused of cheating. Yeah. Okay. okay. And he's like, Yeah, she did skip a lot. Anyway, but that's fine. Someone wants to go to bed, so I'm trying to make this a bit more speedy. Do you want to go to bed? (laughs) So I appreciate that. Do I have anything to say about that? No, honestly, I couldn't really hear what they were saying. I don't know if you were supposed to or not, but... uh, no, it, it, you got the gist of it. Like, you know, he's just denying and all that. Yeah. After that, um, it's the new party. What I like about this, too, is this is the extra level of character that I think Betty needed, Alice and Jenny's character, to be more than just the comic relief. And this is where we see her and Pam joking about Joan and making fun of her her, her catering skills. Um, and I, it also reinforces this idea that, you know, Betty knows what's kind of going on, and she's sticking up for Pam, and... Uh, She's a good person. And, I, I, again, I really appreciate this extra level of, of depth to Betty's character. Did you feel that way at all with this scene? I mean, I didn't feel that way, but, I mean, I get it. Mm. I don't know. I, just, I, I don't know if, like, I was missing something, but I mm. wish... Yeah, I do kind of wish she was more present. Maybe it's, maybe it's whenever she was talking, I just assumed it was kind of not important, so mm. I stopped listening. Well, don't do that, because she's the funniest character. And while they're dancing, Kip and Betty are having a conversation about the boat, uh, and Kip reveals that the boat has his motor out and has been out for a week. And so at this point, Pam is, is pretty convinced that there is a serious affair going on with them. Uh, Duncan confronts both Pam and Trent. Uh, he tells Trent 
go screw her asshole, and you'll have to wonder there if that scene was written on the screenplay, whether or not there was a comma. Not appropriate, AJ. <laughs> but after that confrontation, Duncan runs off. He fails awkwardly with Susanna. Trent half ass- acidly apologizes to Pam, and that's the, the scene. I remember how angry I got in the theater when Trent says, I'm going to try to be better for you and for Duncan. Like, I wanted to read through the screen and punch him. Well, okay, so this whole, starting at this this explosion that happens at the bonfire or campfire or whatever, like, this is the whole downfall of Duncan. All of a sudden, everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you said failure with Susanna. I would say it's even worse than that. It was just a complete rejection. Shut like she down. Was, she was never interested in him in that way. Like, she kind of denies that at the end of the movie, but yeah. I think that's BS. Um, oh, I disagree. I We'll talk about that. I, I think, I think, we'll it's, B- I think yeah. it's BS. I think he, she was never interested in him in that way. So that sucks for him. And then he has to go... First of all, he already dealt with the big explosion, accusing the stepfather of all these things, mm-hmm. cheating and all that. The mom's boyfriend, continue. And then he has to listen to his mom fight with the stepdad some more, say some pretty outrageous things, and then we'll get into it. But then he goes to the water park i think that's the same night yes and he's looking for owen and he finds out owen's having this party that he didn't invite him to another huge rejection i terrible downside i don't think he took it that way um he totally did i don't think so because it was like he was also he was already peeved enough um it was a very adult party there were no children there there were children there there were there were no children there there were kids with squirt guns but that was every. That was all the adults. With there were these little kids with like eye patches and stuff. There were definitely kids. The there. kid with the eye patch was Peter from was Peter. The kid who was like, "Take me with you." No, he's like, "I'll scream." He's the neighbor kid. He was with Duncan. Yes, remember when he drove? So he came with a bunch of kids. Duncan came with Peter. There's definitely another kid. It was just there. two of them. Okay. All right. I will say this: the first couple times I watched it, I was pretty sure one, like one of the kids who was like talking about passing on the water slide was there. But if you look really closely, it is very much an adult. So there okay. are only two kids there. Okay, well, they should have fixed that, because it looks not that way. I And it I makes it look like he's totally rejected. No, he was only... And his face and his reaction When he was like, just thought I'd come that. and hang out? Yeah. No, I... It all shows that. I, I think that was him just being, like, very... Maybe even disappointed that that's maybe, going on but I tonight. Think, that he I couldn't have a chance to talk they should to have. Right they should have caught that, though, when they were reviewing and showing this to test audiences. If they did that at all. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, again, first time I noticed it, I was like, yeah, why was that kid from the water park invited? But, like, after watching it, I was like, oh, wait, that's an adult. To me, it looked completely like he just didn't even think to invite Duncan. Well, yeah, because it was a party at, like, 11 o'clock at night. No, that's not what I'm I'm saying. It looked like there were other kids there and just Duncan wasn't invited. Yeah, but Owen's character, he never would have not invited Duncan somewhere. He loved Duncan. Well, that's what I'm saying. But that's what it looks like. For you, I can see why, but I think Duncan's character was like... It's friggin' 11 o'clock. Every, they're all here drinking beer. Maybe, but I'm saying for the audiences, I think that that's how that comes off. Maybe. All right, I'll, I, I, can, I can see why you think that way, but I, I don't really And it made the whole, the whole end, that, that sort of made the whole end portion of the movie not as good for me because, like, that's the one thing that he has. That's the one place that he belongs, and it's, it feels like he doesn't. All right, I think you're taking it a step a little bit too far, but... I don't, because if it's true, because if that's true, true. If I'm saying if it is, and it looks like it is... If it were true, yes, but, I mean, again, it wasn't, so... Right, 
it looks that way. See, Owen's and it character... it should look that way. If I'm just watching this movie, it should... It should there should be no question in my mind that that's the case. But again, Owen's character was the one who, like, said, yeah, hang out. Like, well, we'll hang yeah, out. Yeah, but he looked hesitant, too. Yeah, because it was... like, yeah, hang out for a little bit, then please leave. Well, he wasn't kicking him out. He was saying, like, he was telling... He could tell that he was having, like, a rough night. He was just like, yeah, like, I'm just gonna be your shoulder to cry on, or, like, your your distraction, like... Just just hang out for a bit, and like then you like I can tell you need to blow off some steam right now. I can tell you don't really feel comfortable where you came from, so I'm not going to kick you out. It's like right, we're getting friggin' right. hammered. You wouldn't do here. even even anyway. We're talking too much about this, but you understand what I'm. I see why you would think it that way, but if you really think it through, it's not. It's no, but definitely he, but, not. No, but even if he didn't, he had this party with these other kids and didn't invite him. He but, would still do that because he feels bad for him. But there, like so there were, but there were no kids. But it looks like there are. The first it's time I saw not it, that I thought clear. It, but it's really not that clear. You have to realize that yes. AJ. Most no, people when are watching a movie, especially a movie like this, they're not like, "Oh my god!" Like laser focus on this movie. They're just watching the movie. Okay, fine. I see what you're saying, but I so still... if you if you show like Duncan showing up, he looks like he's alone, and then he shows some kids. Then yeah, it looks like that looks like what's still happening. an overall agree with you. And one last thing I'll say: he also mentions earlier in the movie that the place where Duncan lives is far, so he would have to worry about getting him there and back. He's never even met the kid's mom. Like it's. Yes, so that's all I'm saying is it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Regardless, uh, you get the, the, the dancing scene, the, the, the whole party scene. Caitlin, played by Maya Rudolph in this scene. Maya Rudolph is very pregnant. It's very clear. Part of me, when I first saw this, thought it was supposed to be Owen's child, but Maya Rudolph was just expecting at the time. Did you notice? That? Yes, no, I did not notice. No, okay. But I love the party scene, especially, again, the, the music choice here. It's totally reflective here, like I mentioned earlier, of Owen's childlike behaviors. The two songs that play are Recess, which is obviously Recess, um, and Young at Heart, which both of those songs really imply a lot about Owen's character. And in that dancing scene, we see some more pop and lock moves. So I, I don't know, I like this party scene a lot. So after that, Caitlin and Owen have their, uh, they, they kind of clear the air. I, I also think Caitlin's a great character, and you don't really have to comment on this if you don't want to, but in the original script, the character of Caitlin was actually a young teenager who worked in the park and had no significant screen time, but in later drafts, they decided to make her character older and have more interaction with Owen, and so that's kind of where the character of Caitlyn came from, and I'm happy yeah. that it turned out that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, she that makes her a totally different character, but yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, she'd be off limits completely as far as her relationship goes with mm-hmm. Owen, if that yeah. was the case. So after that, it's it's um, Duncan and Owen's heart-to-heart, where Duncan uh, gets some pretty candid advice about how dead the Cape area is during uh, the winter seasons. But we kind of realize that in this scene, this is why we this is where we realize why Owen is the way that he is. He talks about his dad kind of being the same way that Trent was. Um, he, he gives him that line, that great line about you know you got to go your own way, and you, my friend, are going your own way, and it's it's a really powerful scene, I think. I agree. I mean, this is this is after like he comes to Owen with the breakdown. Yes. Yeah, I don't care. honestly. I don't care so much about Owen's past at, the, at that point. I mean, he is who he is at, at yeah. this point in, in, in my mind. But it's more like Owen comes or not Owen. Um, Duncan comes to Owen, mm-hmm. like freaking out. Everything in his life is currently wrong, and then he says, "I have nowhere else to go. Like, I never want to leave here. This is the only place that I belong." Mm-hmm. And then Owen says, "Oh, I mean." that's not true or whatever but as an audience member you're like yeah, it's kind of true he really has nothing else to go to mm-hmm. he has his mom who can't take care of him and he has no emotional support from him whatsoever his, his dad, dad doesn't care about him doesn't care he doesn't about watch him a kid. and even if he did he couldn't get to his dad anyway his school life must be awful because he is the way he is he's like shy and seems to not have any friends so he mm-hmm. probably doesn't like he really doesn't have anywhere else to go yeah so it really does suck for him that 
mm-hmm. he has to leave, especially leaving early. Well, he doesn't know he's leaving early at that point, though. Well, okay, but he, um, he knows he's leaving. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's like, I wish I could stay here forever in this. You know, I think we've all been to either, you know, a job or a vacation or, or someplace where we're just like, I want to stay in this moment forever. But anyways, unfortunately, the moment does have to end. He goes home with Peter and great moments with Peter where he, he goes up to his mom. His mom's like, where have you been? And Peter's like, not now, woman. Where's your eye patch? I lost it. I lost the eye patch. I still don't know who Peter is. Peter's like, I, know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I still don't know who Peter is. Yeah. Um, and Trent comes out with the car, with the bags, packing up. And every single time Steve Carell's character says, buddy, my blood boils. Because I'm just, I'm ticked at how inauthentic he is. But well, yeah, again, that's, that's the point. That's, I think, also speaks to what you were saying earlier about how good of a job Steve Carell actually does do in this movie. And then there's the idea that I think, you know, 20, 10, 30 years down the line, I'll probably understand a lot more. Where Pam says that, quote, we do things to protect ourselves because we're scared. And it's not like I don't understand that now, but, you know, I haven't been through all the things that she has. I'm not the same character or person that she is, but I'm sure it's something that older people in the audience may be able to connect with. Like, they've made a, a decision to stay with someone that they yeah, really should stay mean, with. Or... Like, she's clearly worn down, yeah. jaded. Like, she's at the age now where it's like she doesn't have, like, this this lofty dream of what the future's going to look like. Yeah. It's like, it's this or it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's a depressing thought for sure. We'll probably know what that's like in 20 years. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, so we're, we're reaching the end here when we find out that Duncan is leaving alongside Pam with Owen, or sorry, with Trent and Steph. Power Hungry Animals plays... Another one of my favorite songs on this soundtrack. Um, very symbolic. Again, check out the, the essay for more info. And great lines again. So I guess we're leaving. Goodbye. And all right, so let's actually take a second to talk about this. You think that this kiss was a, kind of a pity kiss, right? With with Susanna and Duncan? A little bit. I mean, I would... Yeah, sure. You can... Yeah, sure. I, I don't think so. And I mean, I think... The only reason I would say it would be a pity kiss is, like, maybe had they been there for, like, another month, she would have waited a couple more weeks for it to happen but maybe, maybe. it was because it was like a goodbye thing but I do think that there was some some feelings there yeah maybe a little bit but the thing is he's just at the beginning he was just so blatantly unappealing yeah it's, that it's kind of like hard to overcome that in such a short amount of time so I think that in her mind she is he is sort of this not off limits but like yeah I'm not dating this kid I don't know maybe I mean I I thought it was a nice little send off and no I like yeah. I like the scene That's, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a bad scene I'm just saying I don't think that what she said is no, necessarily I think, true I think it was her like send off was like you just, yeah. yeah 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 but I, I'm just saying I don't think that she actually she wasn't in interested. love with him but I think there was enough feelings there that it, it didn't feel inauthentic yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, uh, after that, they pull up and get gas, um, and to answer your question, yes, I have visited WaterWiz, and I will say the gas station where Trent fills up is nowhere near WaterWiz. Um, it's, it's forced perspective when, uh, Duncan jumps out of the back of the car, out of the way, way back, and runs towards the water park. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Um, yeah. And almost nobody's been there. Well, I went, I went there, um, I think two summers ago, and I was like, there's no friggin' gas station around here. And I, I, I want to call it out again because it's great. One of my favorite moments is when Trent just yells, Pam, and all I can think about is the scene where Michael Scott's like, yay, Pam! Yay, Pam, for what? Remember um, in Fun Run where it's like, so we'll all go together, and Pam's like, salespeople can go during lunch, hourly people can go whenever they have time, and Michael's like, good work, Pam, and Pam's like, well, I was thinking, but, and, and Michael goes, yay, Pam! I've only seen that episode a couple times. It's a great episode. A a great little moment that 
really brought me back to the office. And now we're back Wait, again. Do you know if that was intentional? No, I don't think so. Okay. I would, I would doubt. I'd be very surprised. Okay, um, Mike, but, but um, Steve Carell's delivery of that is definitely intentional. I want the to way believe that. The way true. he says Pam all the time, there's no way. There's I, no way that only a couple years later he doesn't have that in his mind. I want to believe that. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, no, but it's even true. subconsciously I want well, to believe at that. Le- at the very least, he has it in his mind that he's like Michael Scott he's saying Pam. I want so badly to believe that. Um, he did the show for what, 10 years or whatever? Seven. Yeah. So let's get back to another version of Passing on the Slide. Um, and one thing that is the only goof I'll call out in this movie, Duncan and Owen are halfway down the slide when everyone on top realizes that they need to go down and see them land. So everyone from the top of the slide is able to run down to the bottom of the slide while Trent, while Duncan and Owen are in the slide and make it to the bottom before they are. And it's just like, no, like physically, that's not possible. I don't I, care. I, I do. That's, that's one little goof I have with the movie. And that always peeves me. That's it. Duncan passes Owen. Lewis is still there. That's a really funny scene where, yes, I'm still here by... They have their hug, implying faster conversations, which should have been the title of the movie. And another stellar song choice with Alone after Trent is told off by Owen and Dun- and Owen also meets his mom. Alone kind of has this, this dual meaning here. You, you can kind of see it's like coming to the world alone, but in between it's you and me. And it, it's sort of indicative of the relationship that Trent, or sorry, that Duncan and Owen have during the, the whole course of the movie. But it also spills over into the scene where Pam runs into the way, way back with Duncan at the very last moment of the scene, of the movie, where even though he's alone, about to leave the wor- leave the viewer's world alone, she comes back and sort of sits with him, which is really wonderful. It's a very layered song choice, I think. Okay, so I wasn't I wasn't really thinking of it with with the song. I'm just thinking of it as like, an act itself. Mm-hmm. But uh, like he's she's of course choosing his, her son over the boyfriend. Or yes. But does that mean the relationship's over? What does that mean? You know. I think it's over. Maybe, but at the same time, we already talked about the fact that she she's accepting her mediocre life at this point in her life. But I think seeing everything that her son went through was maybe the the shift in that. And it's just like if he can maybe. go find somewhere where he belongs and where he's loved, maybe I can too. Yeah, maybe maybe for his sake she'll leave him. Well, that. But I also think like she's learning from her son and saying like, wow, you know, if if, maybe. if this quiet kid that I had no idea what he was capable of can go and build this relationship group, maybe I can too. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, that beautiful ending scene. You said you didn't like it. No, that that part's fine. I don't really like the whole water park ending scene. Yeah. It's very underwhelming, and mm-hmm. it's also very cliche. It's all the stupid... It's just, for, it's just a forced way to end the movie. Yeah. And I think, honestly... If they just skipped that part, it would have been okay. Well, just when he said goodbye? Yeah, or maybe not even that. No, he's got to say goodbye. You need closure I there. guess, but it, anyway, it, I don't think it is important. It's just kind of there to make you feel good at the end. Yes, it, it, I completely agree. Um, which brings me to like what I kind of want to wrap up on this movie, now that we've kind of covered all the on-screen stuff. This is a really run-of-the-mill, feel-good, coming-of-age story. Uh, it's about an insecure teenage boy in a new environment who has a parental figure that he fights with, he gains the confidence thanks to a sympathetic role model. He stands up to his counter, in this case his mom's boyfriend. He gets the girl at the end, um, and it has that happy ending. Despite all that, I still love this movie. And kind of a few reasons why. Lots of focus on the characters. I know you disagree with me there, but I, I like I like the, every character in this movie, even the ones who are minimalistic. I, I think they're utilized with the purpose that they deserve. Love the original dialogue and the choice of words. The ensemble is great, and one thing I looked up and, and found out was that they, the filmmakers actually bought a vacation house in the area instead of getting everyone trailers um, 
and the vacation house ended up being a, a hangout spot for the cast, even on weekends and, and days off, which was really cool to see that they were using this space to bond. And I, I, I'd like to think that this bond that they formed in their time off and when in their hangouts was reflected in, in the ensemble meshing and the chemistry we see in the movie. And obviously the music. And one kind of personal thing is I, I think I relate to this movie so much because of the job stuff. My first job and my first boss mean a lot to me. Um, I know not I everyone kind of, on this. not Keep everyone going. feels the same way, but I I had a, a great first job, great first boss, and that's kind of something that I connect with as well. Any any parting it was thoughts the from you, best Charlie? Day in the worst, worst day, day of my life. Any parting words from you, Mr. Zizza, before you go hit the sack? No, I'm just going to wrap it up the way I usually do. I know you don't give these ones ratings, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. Go ahead. Um, so I'm going to go down my pros and cons list quickly, really quickly. I like this because Duncan is super relatable. I like the character development that we see throughout the movie. It leaves me wondering at the end what his life is going to be like. Because you have an idea of what it is like before the movie, and I really want to know what it's going to be like after the movie. I want to know what it's going to be like when he goes back to school. I want to know what it's going to be like four years from now when he goes to college and he gets a fresh start and how is he going to use that opportunity and is he going to be thinking of this summer for the rest of his life and how he goes about his everyday life I think the answer is yes um, some of the cons I would like to have known a little bit more about Susanna maybe even a little bit more about the stepdad one of the cons here I have written down is I still can't get over the fact that he wasn't invited to Owen's party which I'm still salty about that they uh, made it unclear because my second time watching it and it's the second time I thought that so anyway and then as we already talked about I think some of the characters are confusing uh, and there's a lot of characters yeah so for the rating for this movie I was stuck between giving it a three and a half out of five and a four out of five the reason I'm going with my current rating um, my final rating for this movie is because I think it's very realistic and I think that Duncan's character really is super relatable uh, and he does a really good job at making you like believe his situation so I'm going to give the way way back Four out of five bottles of beer on the wall. You did improve your rating because you gave it a three and a half last time I talked. You to actually looked. I, I know. I remember sometimes. I re- I remember this because I was really you mad. Remember, at you of for course it. you remember it. Of course you do. I don't even remember reviewing this. Do you understand that? I don't even remember that we re- reviewed this movie. I I take my movie interactions very seriously. Okay, great. So anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Age of the Movie Show. If you liked this episode, give it a like, subscribe to whatever platform you listen to it on. And share with your friends. To anybody who likes movies, uh, let them know about our podcast so they can enjoy our careless banter as well. And please feel free uh, to check out that visual essay that I made about, again, I go totally in-depth on the soundtrack and the significance that it has. Uh, So that's Understanding the Way Way Back soundtrack. It's on YouTube. Please go check it out. I released it on the fifth anniversary of the Way Way Back theatrical release date. So go check it out. Let me know what you think. That wraps it up for this episode, guys. We will see you next time on the A to Z Movie Show. Um, AJ Bell is here with Charlie Sizzle. We'll catch you next time.